This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. Slight change to the program, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Scott Radley Show. Scott is off tonight. I'm Tad Michael sitting in for Scott. So coming up uh, in a matter of moments, we're talking about a very special uh, show that's going to be uh, in Burlington at the Burlington Performing Arts Center. It's uh, a show that's coming uh, February 8th and 9th uh, at 7.30 p.m. and then February 10th at 2 and 7.30. It's the tale of a town. It's called Canada Comes to Burlington. Basically what they did, it was a, a nine-city national tour, and uh, one of the people involved in it is a Hamilton native they kind of went around and talked to a lot of uh, a lot of people in the country and uh, tried to find out what made this country tick and what have you so they've got a very special show coming up and at the same time they also have um, some people taking part in that program and very well when I mention the names of the people that will be in the program I think you kind of understand why they want to do it uh, there's some some big names coming in um, some well-known people like for example Eleanor McMahon so she'll be taking part in the program and uh, joining us to talk about this is uh, a native of Ancaster Ontario Lisa Marie Diliberto joins us Lisa thanks for joining us thanks for having me I love CHML I grew up listening to it yeah, well, hopefully not. <laughs> well, I don't want to say you're not quite that old, but uh, thank you for that. So uh, let's uh, let's start off talking about the tale of a town. I uh, kind of said it's it's all about uh, Canada comes to Burlington, and it's kind of a look at 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 this country. Kind of take us through exactly what it was that made you think about doing this particular play. Absolutely. Well, you know, I start the idea. Was originated from when I was living in Ancaster, and I loved my hometown, Ancaster. I remember there was a fish and chips store there and a bakery and a bowling alley, and we had a water tower. And when the big box stores sort of came, came about on the edge of town in Ancaster, I noticed that really affected our downtown. It started to change. A lot of things started to close down, and more so much attention went out to that kind of big box store land. So that was kind of my first initial impulse to create a show that would celebrate what's so great about main streets and downtowns and also to try and preserve some of the memories that they hold before we forget about what they were like back in the day. Now you um, you you talked about being uh, an Ancaster native and then you moved to, to uh, Toronto. You moved to uh, an interesting neighborhood in Toronto called Parkdale. Talk about that particular neighborhood because it's not oh, quite gosh. exactly what people think it is. Well, you know, Parkdale, when I moved there, Parkdale was, um, it was 10 years ago and Parkdale was a really had a kind of small time feeling about it. And we knew everybody on the block. We knew all our neighbors. Um, we had a storefront. That's where we started the show. We wanted to create a show about our neighborhood of Parkdale because what I felt like I had lost in Ancaster, that kind of small time feeling, crazily enough, I found that in, in the big city of Toronto because I was in this small little neighborhood. And, uh, yeah, so the play actually starts with us there in Parkdale in our storefront, thinking about doing a play about our neighborhood, and then dreaming about doing this project across the entire country. And then, you know, we had that idea, and then 
we did it. Alisa, uh, let's uh, talk about uh, people that are going to the show in Burlington, uh, what they can expect if they have tickets February 8th, the 9th, or February 10th. Kind of uh, take us through the show and some of those big names that will be performing in that show. Absolutely. Well, it's really exciting. This show, uh, as we tour it around, we're on a nine-stop national tour. I'm calling you from Kingston right now, actually. Um, we, in each place we go, we incorporate local notables, we call them. So they have a cameo role in performance. And those people play, will play the role of a cowboy mayor from Medicine Hat, Alberta, wearing a cowboy hat and straw, a straw in their pockets and a whole kind of get up. And we've got uh, the mayor of Burlington, Mayor Goldring. He's going to be performing on the opening night. Mm-hmm. And then we also have the MPP, Eleanor McMahon. We have, just to lighten it up a bit, we've got James Anthony, who is the in the Blues Hall of Fame. He's an inductee of the Blues Hall of Fame and played with the Mamas and the Papas at one point. I'm really looking forward to having him on stage. And then we have Rainer Nowak, who's uh, started the uh, student theater group in Burlington, who everyone seems to know something about. So people are excited to see all of these four perform with us. We've got a local choir called My Pop Choir, who's going to be performing with us on stage. So um, a lot of the pieces that we do end up being animated with music. And then we've also got a, a band of musicians that'll be on stage. So I guess, Ted, the big thing is that it's not just me telling the story about the tale of a town, but actually it's going to be told by voices from across the country, voices that we've collected through interviews in our story mobile, which is like a little mobile recording studio on wheels. We've collected those voices by touring around the entire country, doing interviews on main streets, asking people about their memories. And now this show takes all those stories, and we've done over 3,000 interviews across the country. So let me tell you, it's hard to pick. We're taking some of those interviews, and we've decided where to put them all, and we're presenting those interviews in the play through performance. So some of them are underscored with music. Some of them are underscored with the band. Some of them are performed. It's a whole whack, like a whole bag of beautiful theatrical devices that will bring this story to life. So when people go to the show, there'll be, uh, as they say, some sing, some dance, some seltzer. No, yeah. but uh, some some singing and and dancing. And <laughs> is there some video uh, component to the oh, show yeah, as that's well? Right, absolutely. So it's a the whole play is is shown through live feed video. So what we've done actually is our designer and some designers from across the country have built the downtowns across the country. So let's say Whitehorse, we'll have archival photos of Whitehorse that have then been kind of built into a miniature maquette that will be put onto a table and then that will be videotaped on the table in miniature, this miniature downtown with different people that are puppets. That And while that's being performed, we hear audio and that is projected live onto the screen, underscored by the live band. So, so you know, here, yeah. So, so, so you say you're in Kingston, you're in Burlington. Now you're from Ancaster. I'm wondering, is there a Hamilton component to this, or is 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 oh, Burlington? Absolutely, is- yes. You know, Burlington is and Hamilton. You know, they're they're close by, and because we don't have a performance in Hamilton itself, this is kind of as close to home as we're going to be. And there's lots of stories in the show about Hamilton and Burlington. So as we go, we've done actually six local projects in Hamilton over the years, um, gathering stories in different neighborhoods in Hamilton. So a lot of those stories are going to be 
you're going to recognize some of those stories. The Tale of a Town does like local shows in each place. That's how we gather the materials, and then that's become part of this national show. So without so, give, um, so yeah. w- without giving it away, uh, when mm-hmm. for example Eleanor McMahon is on stage, does she have a, a script to follow? Is it ad libbed? Uh, kind of fill us in on what you can f- fill yeah. us in with. Absolutely. Well, it's rehearsed. Yep. It's rehearsed in advance, and it's following audio. So it's action that she'll be doing, interacting with the audience while the band is playing and the audio of people talking about how they remember this mayor from Medicine Hat. Mm. So she'll be doing things like handing some things out to the audience, greeting people, and kind of following along with this sort of pretty silly track that is about this really kind of infamous mayor from uh, Medicine Hat, Alberta. So she'll be in the audience there. Uh Um, And that's what mayors from all across Canada have played this role now. I mean, we just had Canada's longest-running mayor uh, in Milton play that role. The mayor in Yellowknife played this role. uh, So we've kind of, this is a role that's kind of been taken up by different people as we've gone across the country with the show. So we're excited for the people we've got lined up for Burlington. All right. And that comes up, as we mentioned, February 8th and 9th at 7.30 and February 10th at 2 and 7.30 at the Burlington Performing Arts Center Community Studio. Husband and wife duel, Lisa Marie DeLiberto and Charles Ketchabaugh. Got to make sure we mention him. The Tale of a Town, Canada coming. Lisa, thank you for uh, joining us. Best of luck in the show. And uh, hopefully the people that you have in there have rehearsed enough that they'll make you proud. Thank you so much, Ted. I'm sure they're going to do awesome. Thanks All right. for having me on the show. Thank Rocking you. with the oldies forever. Uh, thanks. Wow. Thank you very much. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8. Only on 900 CHML. I would hope to say that on March 25th of this year that snow will not be a factor because the Around the Bay Road Race is coming up, and we don't like to... Never mind running snow. We don't like to train in snow, but we'll talk a little bit more about that a little bit later on. Joining us to talk about a really neat component that nobody I would think has probably thought about this is Dylan Swan, who is doing a whole batch of work. It's called at uh, it's called One Painting Per Kilometer. It's an exclusive series about the Around the Bay. First of all, thanks for joining us and coming in in the snow tonight. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Now, let's start off. You... Um, you are doing a painting. Of course, the Around the Bay is a 30-kilometer race. Yeah. So you're doing one painting to mark every kilometer of the race. Yep. First question first, what made you think of this project? Um, well, I, I did the Around the Bay race uh, many years ago, and um, when I did it, the support was amazing. Mm-hmm. I found the running, for me, wasn't all that good, but the support <laughs> was just awesome. So ever since then, I always go out and uh, cheer people on. And the energy of that really uh, is exciting. And, and one day that just sort of inspired a painting. And um, I did that. And then the next year I did another one. And at first the idea was maybe I'd do one every year for 30 years. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> uh, I decided to pick it up a little bit. You, um, I know there's there's a family tie-in as well that you and your dad did some running as well. Did you uh, train for the Bay with him? Did he do the Bay, or was this kind of uh, two, two entirely different things? Yeah, two and two different things. I, uh, when I was young, he was always a marathon runner, and I used to train with him a little bit. Um, and then and he did do the Around the Bay, and, and later on, when I uh, moved to Hamilton, I decided to do the Around the Bay too, and I trained separately. So we did it separately, but we both did it. 
<laughs> I have to ask this because there were times where I thought I wanted to do the 30 because I remember several years ago when I turned 60, I thought I'm going to do 30 for 60. And then I sat down and the feeling went away and I calmed down and thought to myself, let's not be uh, dumb about this. What was it like for you doing that entire 30K race? Oh, it was uh, it was a challenge. It yep. was, yeah. Um, like you said about training training was the worst thing because mm-hmm. you're doing it in the, the horrible weather and um actually doing it was uh, a bit of a challenge but i think it was the the people cheering you on along the way that really gets you through that kind of thing i've i've heard because i don't do the 30 and, and we'll talk about uh, some of the paintings in a moment that uh, kind of show this but i've heard that on the back end of the race down on mm-hmm. uh, the beach strip beach boulevard uh north shore boulevard we have the tin pan alley people are banging pots and pans and what have you yeah. uh that's probably where the worst part of the race starts for people is the back end of the race talk about the support that you got when it got really tough there um yeah like you said it's the the neighbors in the whole neighborhood they they all come out and along that little beach strip um beach boulevard they they bang pots together and and cheer you on and then you go around to uh, North Shore Boulevard, and everybody's uh, um, coming out, cheering you on. There's families and little kids kind of run with you for a little while, and um, there's people giving out uh, uh, water and, and fruit and stuff like that just to keep you going. One of the paintings that I'm, I'm looking at is Kilometer 18, which we just talked about, which is Aldershot Waterfront, North Shore Boulevard, and it's a great shot. Uh, uh, not a shot. It's, it's a painting kind of looking at the street, and you can see lookout, uh, kind of a driveway or a gap toward uh, the water and, and in the skyway. When you do these paintings, is this from top of mind? Is this based on pictures, or do you just kind of sit down with the blank slate, as it were, and the creative juices start to flow? Uh, it's a bit of a process. I, well, I I go out on race day and uh, I take a bunch of pictures. I, I go to the spot that I want to find. Um, go to the kilometer mark and I'll find the the composition and I'll take a whole bunch of pictures and uh, then I take those home and uh, do a little sketch from that and then I, uh, in my studio I work uh, I work out a painting based on the sketch and then I use the photographs for, for reference. Do some paintings take longer than others like I'm looking at this one which I would love to see in color it's halfway home it's uh, run, running parallel to the Skyway Bridge. Yeah. Um, do, do they all take the same time or no. S- no? Yeah, they definitely take different amounts of time. The the Skyway Bridge was a a bit of a monster with all the um you know parts of the bridge, the parts of the bridge and everything like that. And uh, and some of them just kind of I don't know. They seem to do themselves. They, I'm working away and then all of a sudden I'm oh I'm done. I'm not sure how that happened, but. Um, Did you yeah. go to art school for this, or is this something? I've I've heard some art artists and creative artists and creative people, they're they're almost born with it and they and have this gift. What about you? Your history? Um, I did go to art school. Um, I've been I was doing art when I was young and through high school and everything, and uh, um, it just seemed the natural thing. So I, I graduated from Ontario College of Art and Design mm-hmm. in 1990. And then you've been doing that ever since. Um, we will talk when we take the break, uh, which we'll do that in a sec, about uh, these paintings and how people can pick them up and and basically how, how they can pick them up as well. But uh, the uh, Bay Race itself, um, 
when you say that you take pictures, that's a big course. It's a 30K. So you talked about taking up a lot of pictures. So this mm-hmm. must be an all-day thing for you where you go from K to K to K and snap pictures. Yeah. Yeah. It does. Well, it takes pretty much about two or three hours because that's all the time I have because I'm right. doing it during the race. So um, I, I hit as many spots as I can during the race and uh, um, I go from that. And when I get to a spot, I'll uh, find the composition I want and take about five or six photos. Mm-hmm. And uh, just because I don't have time to do a sketch, if I really had the time, I would do a sketch first. And um, so I take the photos and then I move on. Sometimes I'll uh, turn and find a different spot and say, oh, that's a better spot, and I'll take photos there. So I end up with maybe a dozen or sometimes 20 pictures, photographs of a spot. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8. Only on 900 CHML. Did you get any type of painting with the start of the Bay Race? And the reason I ask is because uh, for the 30K, there's about 8,500 people. And now I'm not suggesting that you would do 8,500 people (laughs) running, but do you commemorate the start of that race at all? Yes. yes. Wow. So, um, I haven't done the painting yet, right. but I definitely plan on it. I'm looking forward to um, doing that painting. Um, yeah, so the total number of paintings is going to be 31 because the start is going to be there. Wow. So let's talk now, and there are people who I know who are running the race who would love to look at these particular paintings and maybe pick up one. So what's the process? Where can they see them? How can they pick them up? Oh, well, they can see them uh, on my website. Um, Mention it. Go ahead. Uh, DylanSwansArt.ca. Right. And uh, also on uh, social media, Facebook, Instagram, um, Twitter. Twitter, yeah. Um, so so that's Dylan, Swan. so D-Y-L-A-N and then S-W-A-N dot C-A. Uh, D-Y-L-A-N, S-W-A-N, S-A-R-T. Okay. So Dylan Swans Art. Dylan Swan's art. Okay. And so so they look at it there. So now if if they look at it and think, okay, I really like this picture of, as I keep saying, the start or the halfway mark, what's involved as far as ordering a copy or a print? Um, Well, you can give me a call and uh, we can arrange a time. You can come to my studio gallery, which is really the site of my uh, day job. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. And we can... Uh, get together and you can see the originals to see the prints that I have. Um, I have uh, canvas prints and I have paper prints available. The canvas prints are uh, printed on canvas and stretched over stretchers and I I go in and I punch up the color a little and add some gel, give it a little texture so they look almost like originals. They're almost originals. Is this the first time that you've ever done something with the Around the Bay as far as painting stuff or have you done stuff in the past? Uh, this is the first time I've worked with the Around the Bay. Um, and and again, you just decided, you know what, your father ran the race, you ran the race, it's time. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, and it really connects with the community. You know, it's uh, all those people cheering you on. The energy you get from um, the race just has that really interesting energy and, and history. It's the oldest uh, um, road race in North America. Would these be shown at all during the Bay Race? They have the Expo on the Friday and the Saturday. That's right. I forgot to mention. I I am going to have a a little um, spot at the the Expo. Right. uh, Which happens a couple of days before the race. Thursday, Um, uh, uh, Friday and Saturday. Yeah. At the First Um, Ontario Centre. Yeah, so I'm 
this year I'm going to have um, some of my originals there and uh, um, a bunch of my prints and I'll be selling those and um, when it's all finished so I still have another 10, 10 or 15 paintings to do mm -hmm. um, next year it's going to be there's going to be uh, an exhibit at the Art Gallery of Hamilton featuring the uh, the whole collection and uh, some memorabilia about the race and uh, that'll be pretty interesting. So so that'll tie in next year for the 125th. That's right, yeah, the 125th anniversary. So so that will be at that the Art Gallery of Ontario. Fascinating. These uh, these are no, sorry, the Art Gallery of Hamilton. Uh, of Hamilton, yes. Yeah. Did I say Ontario? <laughs> <You> Hamilton. <did. laughs> I, these these paintings, they're they're spectacular. Like I, I I keep going back to the one of of Aldershot. Um, and it looks like it was a nice sunny day because there's no snow on the ground and uh, and the police officer is standing there. But uh, I asked you this off air for, for those of us that have no concept of what it takes. So you sit down, you take the picture of the particular 15K mark or 10K mark or whatever. It takes hours, does it not? Oh, yeah. It takes a while. Um do you work when you get the creative juices? Uh, sometimes it takes a lot of us a while to kind of get started because for whatever reason. Um, I work when I can find the time. Um, so, yeah, sometimes it doesn't seem to be going, but I'll just you, you know, make those creative juices go. You know, you've been, I've been uh, doing art for a while, so that's one of the things you learn to do. Have you had any uh, feedback from people that have heard about this already? Oh, a lot, yeah. Um, I've been, uh, since I, op uh, started my, uh, webpage just a few weeks ago, um, the Canadian Runners Magazine, uh, did a little article about it and, um, I get all kinds of, in, uh, calls and just people asking questions, a lot of people, um, looking at buying a print for a gift and all that kind of stuff. So it's Excellent. really exciting. Every time I meet somebody, they have a story about the bay and, and the race and the whole community and stuff, and, and that's really exciting. Again, the website is dylanswanart.ca, so D-Y-L-A-N-S-W-A-N-A-R-T. So Dylan Swans, actually there's a you know, plural in there. So dylanswansart.ca, go there, look at the paintings, and you'll want, you'll understand why these are so beautiful and why they're a nice part of the history of the Around the Bay Road Race. Dylan, thanks for the time. I look forward to seeing you on uh, Race Weekend, the Expo. I'm, I'm curious the number of people that will be down there that want to uh, purchase this. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and thank you for having me here. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8. Only on 900 CHML. The hype has begun and the fun has begun and the money is starting to flow. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl and some of those great prop bets. And joining us is uh, Adam Burns from Bodog Sports. Adam, first of all, thank you for joining us. Are you getting busy a few days before the Super Bowl? Oh, yeah, it's a crazy time of year. I can't wait till, uh, till Monday when I can take a couple days off. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's first of all, let's first things first. New England still the favorites by how many points? Yeah, right now uh, we open a line at New England minus six, so six-point favorites. It's down to four and a half. There's been a lot of Eagles money coming in pretty much for the last week or so, um, and it's still coming in. We're taking about two-thirds of the monies on the Eagles and also on the money line just to win the game, not even with the spread. So, um 
looking at it, I do expect some some Patriots money to come in. You know, as the, as the week progresses, as we normally will see, because Patriots are pretty heavily, you know, bet team normally throughout the season. But I think no matter what. I don't see us getting out of that position. I think we're going to need the Patriots pretty big on uh, on Sunday. Are you surprised that some Eagles fans are uh, picking the beat the Eagles outright as opposed to just maybe beating the spread of uh, of six points? You know what? I'm not, I'm not surprised just because um, of how how they've played the last couple weeks, and uh, you know they were un- they were home underdogs two weeks in a row, and uh, we needed them actually those two games to win. Um, and then, but I think people now are convinced, like, hey, you know what? Even though Wentz is not there, Nick Foles is is not a true backup. He's actually played quite a bit of games, and I think people are starting to believe in them. And I think uh, the Eagles fans are coming out hard, and uh, we're taking quite a bit of money on them. One of the uh, well, and you have numerous great uh, prop bets at, at Bodog, but uh, this one is almost it seems a no brainer. Will Tom Brady win the Super Bowl MVP? Um, that one seems almost like a safe bet to me. Maybe I I shouldn't say that, but uh, but of all the prop bets, that one seems pretty good. Well, if they win, I mean he's a, he's probably going to win it unless some you know unless it's a really low scoring game and like maybe a kicker or a defensive guy gets a couple in- interceptions. But um, he's a favorite for a reason, and the quarterbacks are pretty much favored every year. You know he's he's pretty much at even money to win the, the Super Bowl MVP. Um, it's almost if you think the Patriots are going to win, you're probably better off just betting him to win the MVP. Um, but we're taking quite a bit of money on Nick Foles as well, I guess. I mean, especially a backup quarterback. If they win, you know, he'll probably get a few votes. Um, but there, there's some interesting bets, you know, in MVP, and you get some big odds. You know, like guys like Garrett Blunt against his old team at 40 to one. We're seeing quite a bit of money on him. I guess people feel, you know, if he scores one or two touchdowns and it's it's a kind of a low-scoring game, that maybe he, he can win it. And we're seeing a lot of money on the defensive players. Philly has a good defense, and Patriots have a pretty underrated defense as well. Our guest is Adam Burns of Bodog Sports talking about some of the prop bets. Two of them kind of jumped out at me, and they're both next to each other. Number one, and I don't know why this is coming up, and I'm going to have you explain it. Will Donovan McNabb's vomiting incident from Super Bowl 39 be mentioned during the broadcast? Why are you guys talking about this? Well, we're always what happens is basically as soon as we know who's going to be playing in the Super Bowl, me and my guys sit down, we have a couple beers and <laughs> kind of talk about some crazy ideas, you know, and uh, that's one of them just because he did throw up, you know, in, in the last Super Bowl that they played against each other. So we uh, uh, with the Eagles. So we, we try to find funny things and things that, you know, what people might be interested in. And that was one of them that came up. I When someone brought it up, I didn't even realize at the time, but then we looked into it and we said, yeah, why not throw up some odds on that? The, but, uh, uh, people, People like that sort of stuff, yeah. And the next one, will Terrell Owens be mentioned during the broadcast? Is this because of his days with the Eagles? Yeah, it's because of that and the Hall Hall of Fame thing and all that. So um, we're actually taking quite a bit of money on the yes that he will be mentioned in that. So we actually need him not to be mentioned. And just speaking of these type of props, like I have, you know, a team of guys and that day I give them all a checklist. I'm like, okay, you got to watch. Okay, how many times will they say, will he throw up? Uh, or, or mention the Donovan McNabb thing. How many times will they say Terrell Owens? How many times will they say Tom Brady's age? How many times will they say Giselle Bunchen? So it's a uh, so Super Bowl for us is not like everyone else where you get to sit back, watch the game, have some food. We're like you know doing checklists and it's uh, it's sort of a pain in the butt. But um, but that's you know what I'm used to. I've been doing this for over you know 15 years. So. And that's, when I watch the Super Bowl, I don't watch the game. That's what I watch. One of the things, of course, I'm I'm a Philadelphia Flyer fan, not an Eagles yeah. fan. So, of course, we're, we're talking about Philadelphia. And this one almost seems like a safe bet as well. How many times will the Rocky statue in Philadelphia be shown during the broadcast? The over-under is one. I'm taking the over on that one. Well, 
the way I, when I do these, and, and I actually do them myself, so, um, so I can give you some background on this, is they showed it once last game. I figure they're going to show it once at least this game. But to show it twice, not so sure. So it's, uh, those, those are the type of ones like, will they show it twice? I don't know. But I'm, I think the one is probably going to end up being a, being a push. Now, uh, you also mentioned uh, some other things about Tom Brady's age and, and what have you. It seems we can't talk about anything in the U.S. without talking about your president. And I know that his name is mentioned in some of the prop, uh, prop bets as well, are they not? Yeah, we also have, uh, will Donald Trump be mentioned during the broadcast? Um, it's pretty much a pick We're taking money on both sides. Um, last year, they did not mention him. Um, but you know what? He's, he's been a little more vocal lately and stuff. And he's, you know, friends with Robert Kraft and all this stuff and Tom Brady. So we put it the same thing, yes, as a, as a small, uh, small underdog. But uh, people are betting on the no, because I think sometimes during the broadcast, they get too caught up in the game. They don't actually bring up this stuff. But you never know if he shows up at the game or there's something something happens during the game. You never know they might uh, you know throw throw his name out once or twice. Before we wrap it up, uh, and uh, we want to thank you for this, Adam. Uh, of all the prop bets that I've seen uh, from you people at, at Bodog, if there is one that is really, if you will, out there, something a little different, can you name one? Well, you've already mentioned a few of them. About <laughs> the Donovan McNabb one is probably the the, <laughs> the biggest one. Um, but we have all kinds of things like, uh, it, you know what, some of our biggest bet prop bets are surrounding the national anthem, believe it or not. Yep. So Pink singing the national anthem, and she's, when I, do, I do this research every year, and I always find old YouTube videos and stuff of these people singing, but Pink had nothing. So <laughs> we just set it at a flat two minutes, and uh, it's taking pretty much even money a little bit more on the over two minutes, because sometimes she does some acrobatic stuff and that, so you never know what can happen. But there's some stuff like, she's from Philadelphia, so we have props up. Will she wear anything eagles during the game will her, will her hair color be green um, when she comes out um, will she say eagles at any point during the anthem or before or after so uh, those are some of the ones that we like I said when we sit down right after when we know who's in the Super Bowl that we come up with and, and it always kind of try, we try to tie it into the city and, and, and the people performing and, uh, and all these prop bets like I said, like they're more for people to have fun with and uh, you know when people are sitting it down with their friends at Super Bowl parties even people who never watch football you know, we send out party prop sheets and stuff like that, and, and people like uh, like having fun with it. Adam Burns of Bodog Sports, thanks very much for this. I'll, I'll, I'll have my digital watch on the anthem just to see if Pink the over-under for two minutes for the anthem. Love yep. love talking to you. Ho- hope we can do this again soon. Try to enjoy the game, even though you'll be working. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Okay, thanks. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8. Only on 900 CHML. Ted Michaels in for Scott tonight as the snow continues to fall. Let's hope it's not like it's on March 25th. I mean, I know the Bay Race, we can get all kinds of conditions, and I've run through cold weather, sunny weather, rainy weather, but the point is we do it for a reason. We do it for our health. We do it to raise money. We try to set a personal goal, and if it doesn't happen, who cares? Joining us to talk about uh, the Around the Bay, but um, a very special reason why, two guests uh, who are kind of tied in with St. Joseph's Hospital. First of all, we want to say hello to, uh, she's the administrative assistant to uh, a doctor that does work with the renal program. and uh, She she basically runs the, the, the whole office. Pam Overhold joins us. Pam, how are you? Thanks for joining us. I'm good, thank you. How are you, Ted? Excellent. And also okay. joining us is Amy Brown, who is a patient uh, at the uh, kidney part of St. Joe's. We'll get into her story in just a moment. Amy, how are you? Hi, well, thanks for having me. All right. Uh, Pam, let's first of all talk about you. You're... you're um, 
this is not the first time that you're taking part in the Around the Bay Road Race. You work at St. Joe's. You know I'm deeply tied into the Around the Bay in St. Joe's. It does my heart good when people at St. Joe's walk the walk and talk the talk. And you are uh, not the first time that you're taking part with a team from St. Joe's in the Bay Race, correct? Correct. This is my second year being the team captain for Team Nephrology. Now, uh, did you uh, run the race last year? Did you walk, or was it a combination of both? I ran the race last year. Did you do the five or the thirty? I only did the five. No, 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 eight no. minutes, which I thought was good. Never um, say, never <laughs> say just the five. Never ever say that. Uh, <laughs> what was it like for you? It was incredible because we had uh, we had our physicians, we had our managers, we had technicians, we had. Um, um, other staff that was we had 15 people on our team last year and we got that team together in three weeks wow it was incredible yeah it was really really great great feeling and uh, we were all proud of what we accomplished and what we raised in that three-week span how much did you raise uh, we believe we we're eight thousand dollars wow then we reached our goal for paris to ancaster in um for ten thousand So we'll talk about that in just a moment. Uh, Before we uh, talk to Amy, I just want to ask Pam, when you formed the team, was there a lot of cajoling, arm twisting? Were people voluntold that they had to be in this, or was this uh, people came came in willingly? Oh, no, that was was kind of good. We have a running group at lunch. We have um, a bunch of ladies that we run um, every day at lunch. If if we don't run, then we try and do the stairs or Mm -hmm. do something inside. And one of the managers of the foundation approached me last year and said, would you, w- would you be willing to form this team? So with that, I had a, a lot of the um, doctors were eager. They're like, yep, let's do this. So Ec- it's great. Excellent. So let's now bring uh, Amy Brown into the conversation. Amy, uh, you have a personal story, and th- this is why I love the Bay Race so much, because everybody, as we mentioned, has a reason why they take part in this event, and some people's reason is more personal than others. Kind of share your story with us and why you're so excited about taking part in the Bay Race this year. Well, three years ago, um well, firstly, um, my, my husband and I lived overseas um, for eight years. We were both uh, international high school teachers, and we came home to Hamilton um, to, have our, to have our son, James. And during childbirth, I had something called HELP syndrome, and um, I had multiple organ failure that resulted um, in kidney failure. Um, so I was on dialysis for three years and was just recently transplanted on November the 22nd. And so I'm really excited to be part of the Around the Bay um, to raise awareness for kidney disease, which certainly was not on my radar before um, I was directly impacted by kidney disease. And also to, um, to, to, to show my gratitude uh, for the care that I had at St. Joe's. I've been wonderfully looked after. And the people there, doctors, nurses, all the way down to the porters, have impacted my life. And so I'm really excited to be a part of it and, um, and to support St. Joe's because it's been a big part of my life the last three years. So you say that you were transplanted November 22nd? I was. How, how are you feeling now? This is, I guess, uh, two months afterwards. I feel so well. It's like getting, it's, it's a new lease on life. And really, I didn't appreciate, I knew I felt awful for the last three years, but I didn't appreciate how awful I actually felt until I had a new working kidney. And it is just, it's, um, it's a new lease on life, and it's the gift of my life back. Amy, talk, from, 
from my donor. Amy, talk about um, the, well, the physical strain is one thing, obviously, and and I'm not being uh, flippant here, but what was the mental strain like for you knowing that you're on a transplant list and you don't know exactly when that's going to happen? The whole experience was so utterly difficult because it changed the, the path of my life and, and my husband's life, um, like the trajectory, it changed forever. Um, so it changed, you know, our, our careers, our, our life plan, and also um, being impacted by something, you know, yes, I've done the dialysis and yes, I've been transplanted, but kidney disease is much more of a marathon than it is a sprint. So it's something that I'm going to have to deal with lifelong. Um, and coping with the, the changes, not only in me physically, but, but mentally and emotionally, um, were very difficult. And also for those around me, because kidney disease certainly affects not only the patient, but it affects the village of people that, that look after you. So my, my family, um, my husband, my, my friends, all, and, and all the support uh, that I have to, to keep me well and to keep me going. So it, t- it took a, it took an entire village. Let's bring Pam back into the conversation. Pam, you uh, you are in the office um, on the front lines of the uh, renal network and the kidney work that goes on at St. Joe's. Uh, I I think people may be surprised by the number of people that go through your clinic on a daily or weekly basis. Kind of crunch some of those numbers for us. Okay, so we serve three hundred out of six dialysis patients are entrusted to our care at our Charles- Charlton campus dialysis center alone and they come in to the hospital multiple times a week normally three times a week wow That's a lot of people and there and then we have we have people waiting so you know the people are waiting that they you know we have pre-dialysis then we have dialysis and then we have different forms of dialysis modalities and it's incredible it really is now let's uh, talk about. Uh, let's go back to to Amy and and talk about um, the lifestyle changes after the transplant. Uh, well, actually, let, let's break this down two parts. Before the the transplant, when you said you you knew you were sick but you didn't know how sick. From a physical standpoint, what was it that that really affected you? Uh, how did it affect your diet? What could you eat? And the second part of that, flip that around now. How have things changed for you? Mm-hmm. So prior to my kidney failure, um, with exception to a blood clotting disorder uh, that has been uh, very well managed since 1996, I've been extraordinarily healthy and have been able to travel extensively and to, and to live a very normal life, very active life. I'm very healthy. Um, the kidney failure was an absolute and utter shock. And the things that went along with the kidney failure were things like drops in hemoglobin, and that meant that my body didn't have enough oxygen um, going around. And so that meant like simple things like standing up or walking from my kitchen to the dining room table was was difficult. I would have to put my head down uh, because it felt like I was going to faint. I spent a great amount of time the last two and a half years in bed, probably the first nine months, because I would have my dialysis treatment um, at the hospital. I did that for, for nine months what's called hemodialysis, and that's when I would go every other day. And I would come home from that and then have to sleep dialysis off, and then the next day I may or may not feel well. I changed after nine months to doing what's called peritoneal dialysis, and that's a, a, it was a gentler for me, and I did that at home every single night for 10 hours. 
that brought me back to life a little bit. I was still, it was a struggle, but I still tried to be physically active. I still tried to work out. The diet was awful. (laughs) Uh, The renal diet um, is good for your kidneys, but it means that you're cutting out things like whole grains and anything with potassium. So that's all your really um, your rich potassium foods like fruits and vegetables. And it's a great diet for a 12 year old who wants to eat pop tarts, but not such a great diet for an adult who wants to live a healthy lifestyle. So after my transplant, um, although it was a bit of a rocky start for me with the transplant, I was in hospital for almost a month and had, um, some other complications that, that went along with this. But once that kidney got working and once I kind of, um, had some recovery time, it is, I feel like a different person. I feel like I've had life breathed into me again. I have energy. Um, I have clarity. You kind of, every day, you, you know, you kind of wake up with, with a foggy head, um, and my, my head is really clear, and um, I've got the energy again, the energy to play with my son, of course, who's going to be three in March. And I missed a great proportion of his early years, um, particularly the first year. So I kind of, I'm... I've, I've gained not only my life back, but um, but but my vitality and my energy, and it's just it's it's really it's 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 a miracle. I have to ask this, Amy, because you talked about uh, you you ran into this this difficulty during childbirth. Yes. Uh, what did the doctors and the specialists say about other kids down down the road, uh, given what happened with uh, with the birth of your son three years ago? Uh, <laughs> well, if I want to keep all my doctors' blood pressures down. <laughs> <laughs> It is not it's, not, it's not, it's not an option for me um, because the, the chances, once you have help syndrome, the chances of you having help syndrome again are greater. And not only that, but because my kidney uh, is transplanted, uh, childbirth on a, on, a, on a normal person puts a lot of pressure on the kidney. Um, so I am so grateful um, just to be here. Uh, preeclampsia.org says that one in four women die from help syndrome and one in four babies. So the fact that I'm still here and my son is still here and that we're both okay, um, I can't ask for anything more. Amy, uh, can you repeat that website again for people that uh, would be interested in researching this a little bit more? Yep. So it's preeclampsia.org, and that explains um, about HELP syndrome, and it's an acronym, so it's H-E-L-L-P. Now, uh, you uh, are taking part in the Bay Race. I presume you're, you're walking the 5K, correct? Well, <laughs> perhaps running, oh. <laughs> um, but, but <laughs> we'll have to see uh, how, how I go. Um, yep. uh, but if not, then I'm going to walk it. Um, my mom's going to walk it, and my husband's going to walk it. We're going to pull the wagon with her son. And then I have another girlfriend um, who actually works at St. Joe's, and um, uh, we're going to walk it together. Well, I was going to say, because this is a, a family event, the fact that you're walking with your mother, who I'm sure her heart was being torn when she when she saw what you were going through. How emotional is that going to be, walking with her and the rest of your family race day? It's, it's, it's going to be awesome. And I feel that it's not, like I said, kidney disease has affected not just me, but everybody around me. So it's a celebration not only for me, but for my family and extended friends. And, and everybody is exhausted from the last three years. So it, it'll be really great to celebrate together and just exhale. 
let's bring Pam back into the conversation. Pam, one of the things that I love about the Bay Race, I mean, I, I love the entire weekend of the whole event, but I always talk about the finish when they come down the ramp at First Ontario Centre, and I talk about being hit by the wall of sound, and you know what I'm talking about, because you, you, you did it last year, you come through that ramp, and all of a sudden, blam, you're hit with the lights and the sound and the PA and people screaming. Um, how emotional was that for you last year, knowing that this was your first one and that you did finish the race, as we say, upright and smiling? <laughs> I hope. It was, it was very emotional, actually, when you look around and, and you're running with your, your team members and everybody's got a smile on their face because we're all there to go the distance for our patients. And to see and feel the energy um, is incredible. Even when you're running or even walking with all those people, everybody's got a story and everybody's there to help and support and cheer you on. It's, it's a really neat road race. And I can't express how much the support of, of people for our team. Um, it's, it's just it's overwhelming. Well, I got to tell you, Pam and, and Amy both, and uh, people that have known me uh, have known for years that I always, at the start of the race, just before the uh, the starter's pistol goes off for the 5K, I just uh, bless myself. I give a silent prayer that I can do this and that there's people I know sitting in St. Joe's who would love to be able to, to do this. Amy, how much is that going to mean for you, knowing that there are people that are undergoing dialysis that hopefully will be able to take part in this event down the road? It's, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to describe, really, because one of the things I've learned the most through this experience is just how many others are affected by kidney disease. And like I said earlier, it really wasn't on, on, on it wasn't something that I was tremendously aware of. And one of the best things um, that's happened, I mean, there's been all, all kinds of, of traumatic things that have happened, but there's been all kinds of silver lining. And I've met incredible uh, patients and doctors and and just just anyone that has been affected by kidney disease and so it will be it's it's going to be awesome and it will feel like um like like a like a victory that we've we've kind of we've made it and that there is life ahead again and it's sort of the the start of the start of something new Amy, are you doing any training, uh, at, at least walking and stuff? Uh, I mean, we're still about I, seven or, or, or eight weeks out, and you're only two months uh, out from your, your transplant. But, yeah. but, but how about, and you talked about working out, but how about getting physically ready for this event? Well, Uh-oh. I'm driving my doctors a little crazy <laughs> with pushing the limits just a little bit. So every week when I go and visit them and we have the conversation, I ask them and they raise their eyebrows at me because they know what's going to come next. And I say to them, what can I do this week? So, yes, I have started. um, I have to certainly um, because of the incisions and the uh, healing that has to be done internally, Mm -hmm. I am limited to to what I can do. But um, I'm I'm pushing things as much as I can in in a safe manner. So I've already started walking. They said I'm allowed to start running. Um much to their chagrin, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, the other part of that is, you know what, you should uh, challenge the doctor that says, you know what, you shouldn't do this. You should challenge that doctor to be a part of the team. <laughs> well, the, yes, yes, that's right. And there, and there are a few doctors that have actually, um, one, one of the doctors um, was actually there three years ago when I was diagnosed with kidney disease and has been with me um, along the journey. And he, although he's participating in a different part of the race, He's still he's still going to be there, and that's uh, Dr. Miller and all of the doctors at St. Joe's have just 
been so incredibly supportive and have gone above and beyond to make sure that not only that I'm looked after when I come visit their clinic, but that when I leave, I'm also settled mentally and emotionally. And they're just, they're, they are an outstanding group of people. Pam, uh, before we uh, wrap up as captain of Team Nephrology, I'm sure that uh, you see the patients coming in for the first time especially, and I know that they're probably absolutely terrified of what they'll be going through. Um, talk about the calming process. Talk about how people are in good hands, because I know that the people at St. Joe's do outstanding work on a daily basis and never get credit for it. Yeah, that, well, that's not always true, but, but yes, you know what, when you see these, these people and they've got that deer-in-the-headlights look, and all you can do is assure them and that they're in the best possible care and um, that they're going to go through the process and that there's going to be a team of people, and as Amy says, a village of people, that are going to be there to support them, whether it's the porter or the nurse or the assistant or the doctor. There's always going to be someone there to help them through this, this journey. Our guest, Pam Overholt from uh, St. Joe's, who works in the he, the administrative uh, ad, administrative department. Uh, sorry of uh, of the uh, kidney and urology wing of St. Joe's, and uh, Amy Brown, who received the life saving kidney transplant at St. Joe's and is taking part in the Around the Bay Road Race. I want to thank both of you for joining us. And one of the great things about the Bay Race is is uh, on race day. I love to see the looks of all the teams that are out there and smiling for the picture. So at some point, I will be crashing the team nephrology picture because Amy and Pam, I do want to get a picture with the uh, both of you so let's let's make sure we can make that happen on race day that's a deal (laughs) uh by the way what every team has a color is there a particular color of shirt that you'll be wearing race day or has that not been determined yet actually i'm going to change that because saint joe's has they all mandate that we have to have blue shirts ah so i want to change that and the other thing is i've just um got clearance for tugboat our golden retriever is going to be walking he's a year and a half oh you love tugboat (laughs) so So, my husband's gonna walk him actually so so tugboat is walking is all perfect so so as a fashion (laughs) maven it's not going to be blue or is it something different I think it's going to, I'm, I'm going to, I have to get clearance through the foundation, but I want to have a different color so that we stand out and that we can all recognize our team members as, as we're, we're running around the bay. And the other thing that's really neat about our team is some of our managers are bringing their little ones. So we have not only Amy, Amy's little guy, but we have um, a couple little people that are going to be joining us as well. I cannot wait to see that. By the way, Amy, I will tell you this. First-time people that take part in the race are sometimes are overcome with emotion, and I'm not being uh, flippant here. When you cross that finish line, if you feel like crying, go ahead because you have earned it. I'm just putting that out there. Thank you. <laughs> They'll be happy tears. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Pam and Amy, thank you for this. Uh, look forward to seeing you race day. Continued good luck. And what a great story. You do great work down at St. Joe's. Pam and Amy, you're an, uh, an inspiration. We'll see you on race day. Thank, thank you. you. Take care. The Scott Radley Show. The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8 on 900 DHML.